From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, welcome into Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Mark Weiser with Ryan Dennis. Georgia's regular season is winding down. A big road win against Mississippi State that impressed the college football playoff committee even more. We will talk Georgia football with College Football Hall of Famer Matt Stinchcomb, the former Georgia All-American and now an SEC Network analyst. Ryan, uh, how are you feeling about the Bulldogs as they head to Kentucky? I feel better after Kentucky lost to Vanderbilt last week. You know, preseason, I think two things. We knew this stretch would be Georgia's toughest. You even wrote an article over the summer about it being a trap game in Starkville, and Bulldogs passed that one. And I think we kind of thought that this Kentucky game would be a battle for the East, but they've been out of it for a little while and then did themselves no favors last week by losing to Vanderbilt. So, you know, uh, I think George is in a great position. I think we've seen them improve throughout the year, and uh, I set on big things once again this year. Ryan, what should be my takeaway from the Mississippi State trip? Should it be that Georgia survived the uh, really cold weather? It was like 39, 40 degrees at kickoff. The cowbells clanging as uh, Cedric Van Pran and Stetson Bennett had their backs to the student section to start the game. Uh, should it be that Lad McConkey uh, showed that he can be like Brock Bowers and be a threat with the ball, uh, you know, it, it, you know, on handoffs just like Bowers can and make some big catches? Or should it be that I made my first uh, trip ever to Bucky's? Oh, so you actually went into Bucky's. I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself. We'll we'll circle back around to that. I mean, I think Georgia, the way they responded from the end of the first half, you know, with the punt return for a touchdown that. Gave Mississippi State a lot of momentum, and they could have come out and and done something, you know, to, if they stopped George there on that first drive, who knows what happens. But like you said, they hit Ladd on the reverse for a touchdown. Uh, Darnell, you know, Washington out front blocking, and then he kicked on the afterburners. And I think that just silenced the cowbells, so to speak, and really it, it tilted everything back in George's favor, and, and they ran from there. But did you get any, uh, any brisket sandwiches or beef jerky or – just use the restrooms at Bucky's. I mean, it's uh, it's quite a place. Wait, is, is that what you do? Is that your go-to restroom stuff? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, after a few cups of coffee, man, you gotta you gotta run in there. Uh, no, uh, the sandwiches you mentioned all are good. I did get a sandwich, but I, I try to go a little bit healthier for some reason. I had like a chicken salad sandwich because I wouldn't. It was a little bit too early. It was like late morning. I wasn't ready for uh, <laughs> the heavier thing, but um. Did run into a couple other Georgia beat writers there. It's like I guess it was the must stop. It was uh, in Alabama, on the way towards Tuscaloosa, I guess. And um, you know, I might have taken a selfie with the uh, the big mascot, Bucky. What's the name? Is it, I mean, that's Bucky, right? I guess. Yes, that's Bucky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a madhouse. It's a zoo. Uh, what's the closest one they have to Athens? The only one that no, there's two, I guess. There's one down near Macon, I believe, maybe south of Macon, and then there's one up uh, in Calhoun. So I guess one of those two would be the the closest. I, I I think I stopped in one 
somewhere in South Carolina. It was a brand new grand opening, and that was not the time to stop in the Bucky's because, like you said, it was a it was a zoo inside and out. Um, look, Athens has a, a Costco now. Well, not Athens. I guess it's Watkinsville, right? Or where does that boat? Yeah, I think it's technically Watkinsville, right across the border there. Bucky's got to be next, I guess. All right. Ryan, uh, speaking of what I was mentioning earlier, how, how cold is too cold for football? I mean, Georgia played in really cold conditions Saturday. It may be colder in Lexington. Not Indianapolis cold like it was for the national championship game, but, you know, thankfully we were inside then. It was probably 71 degrees in the Lincoln – what's that called? Lincoln Oil Field? What, Lucas what? Oil Stadium. Lucas, uh, Lucas Oil Field, yeah. Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, but, I mean, it didn't it didn't get to the, um, the situation that it was like at – uh, Arkansas, where I guess there was like some ice or snow on the ground, <clears throat> and the LSU uh, football players had like chicken broth on the sideline. Um, that was odd to keep them uh, warm, I guess. And I guess um, Brian Kelly mentioned it was like his nutritionist had recommended that. So Cedric Van Pram mentioned yesterday that uh, Vaseline rubbing that on your arms or something is good in cold weather. Do you know about that? I did not know about that. You know, it surprises me whenever I see. Offensive linemen especially, uh, I guess it's a manliness thing where they don't wear sleeves in, in weather like that. So maybe that's the trick is to rub your arms down with Vaseline and keep you a little warmer. All right. Um, let's. By the way, it. did you see that game on Wednesday night between Central Michigan and Western Michigan? No, I did not watch that game. Man, it was a blizzard. I haven't I haven't seen snow like that in a long time. It was, it was fun to watch. But to answer how cold is too cold, I mean – I guess that it's never too cold, but it, it's definitely miserable for the players and fans when it gets down into that type of, uh, you know, weather where you can't hardly see or feel your toes, which isn't fun. Well, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, Georgia showed against Mississippi State, whatever they can deal with it like, but you know, let's say Georgia has some slippage in the program, which, you know, you don't anticipate, but I mean, you can't expect necessarily, I mean, I guess it could be Alabama did it. Are they going to be number one forever? I mean, uh, you know, in the playoff, when it goes to 12 teams, I mean, you're going to have first round games on campus sites. Like, can you imagine a Georgia going to plan a game, uh, you know, like at, at Michigan in uh, December? Or how about, well, yeah, exactly. I could say, what if Wisconsin, you know, gets relevant again and sneaks back into to the picture i mean that would be some some very very miserable times for a sec team especially who's not used to dealing with that all right i feel like since we are primarily especially this time of year a uh, georgia bulldog college football podcast I need to make mention of the tragic events this week at virginia and there, there's a georgia connection there with carla williams the athletic director right. obviously was at georgia for 13 years and uh, you know just uh unspeakable type of uh you know tragedy that that they went through up there and um, three football players were killed in a shooting after coming back uh, on a chartered bus ride from going to to see a play in Washington DC for a, a class that they were taking and uh this was a former walk on that is alleged to have uh been the perpetrator and uh you know there's not going to be a football game in Charlottesville this week and they they canceled the game against Coastal Carolina and um, you know, I, I think the college football world, I mean, I know the ACC, every, everybody in the ACC is wearing like a Virginia strong decal maybe and, and some stickers and even South Carolina and Shane Beamer put a helmet sticker on for their game Saturday. Kirby Smart was asked about it uh, Tuesday night and said that, you know, he can't imagine having to make that kind of phone call to a parent to, to let him know that kind of news. So 
uh, obviously, uh, everyone's thoughts and, and uh, well wishes for them to have, you know, comfort with their uh, in that community and with that football program. And, uh, you know, th- their season might be over. I don't know if they're going to end up playing against Virginia Tech. Yeah, I don't know how you'd have the mindset or, you know, the the will to, to go out after losing three of your teammates and, and you know, play a football game. I did see some pictures from uh, University of Virginia campus where, I don't know if it was really planned, but I know a lot of students showed up to their main uh, quad, you know, there and, and had a kind of a candlelight thing and everybody just kind of sat there and, and mourned. And it was, uh, I mean, it was an impressive sign of unity for, for the campus and all. So, yeah, hearts go out to, to everybody in Charlottesville. Yeah, former Georgia Compliance Director Jim Booz is also up there on staff as one of the top administrators under Carla. Really? Yeah. yeah I did not so- realize that. He had kids go through, you know um, – Oconee County school system. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's, let's turn it back to Georgia football. Um, you know, to me, the, the thing that jumped out besides the, the stuff we already mentioned was the way they responded in the second half. I mean, that wasn't it a five point game or something like that. I mean, uh, you know, uh, they have the punt return touchdown right before mm-hmm. the half. And I was telling some writers in the press box there, which was an outdoor press box. Glad they're doing <laughs> a, a layered proper kind of thing, but you know, I didn't see them, you know, you don't want to risk putting the ball up there and giving them a short field and that kind of thing. And lo and behold, three incompletions, I think it was, and, uh, you know, kind of a low punt that bounced and the guy returned it. And Kirby said he didn't have his uh, speed guys out in the field because they were kind of playing in a punt safe to make sure that uh, it was well protected, I guess. Um, so uh, what was your reaction to home when you saw the, uh, you know, that, that sequence of events? Yeah, you know. I think we've questioned Kirby's uh, late game or late half management uh, some. Uh, going back, uh, the Tennessee game a couple weeks ago, it seemed like they took way too long and ended up having to pretty much kick a field goal as time expired instead of maybe busting a timeout. Uh, you know, that was an odd sequence at the end of the half of the Mississippi State game. And, I mean, you know, Punt return touchdowns are few and far between that Georgia allows, but that was a, a a bad timing of one that kind of reflected poorly on how the game was being managed there. Uh, but again, like I said earlier, it, it was good to see them really, you know, punch them back in the mouth there to open the second half, and it was never really a game from there. We mentioned Lab McConkey. I mean, Darnell Washington, you know, just another indication of what kind of stud that guy is. Um, you know, they line him up all over the place. He's an inline tight end. He's wide as, as you know, as a receiver. And then, you know, going out and, and making catches over the middle. And um, Kyrus Jackson with some really big catches. I don't think he played more than 10 snaps in that game, but came down with, you know, uh, took a hard hit over the middle and then uh, a sideline catch where he, he had a maneuver to, to win, uh, you know, the jump ball um, there, kind of an acrobatic catch. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a totally uh, kind of a glue guy. Cause you know, you, you might not see him do much that kind of jumps out at you for a game or two, and then just makes a big third down catch here or there. And, and uh, you know, just a good guy to have on your team. Yeah. You know, we got to talk to him what Monday you asked him the question about, uh, you know, what what his role kind of is on the team and and how he embraces that and he gave a great you know team first answer and and I believe him I mean I think he does try to do whatever needs to be done for the for the team um going back to Darnell though for a second I mean got his first touchdown on a on a on a pass uh it seemed almost like it was drawn up for him for all the stuff that he's done for the team this year too and I mean speculation a little bit is this the last year we see Darnell? 
in the Georgia uniform. I mean, he's a guy I think that NFL teams would be salivating over. Very possible. Very possible. I mean, uh, yeah, there's probably more likely that that's the case. But you know what? <clears throat> uh, Georgia plans for this. I mean, they know when they yeah. get a five-star talent like that, um, you know, they're going to maximize the time. And then I don't think they're really hurting a tight end. They they got Bowers. They got other guys, uh, you know, in the system and on the way. More coming, yeah. Yeah. So Georgia's now 10-0. and 0. Um, Look, this team's not going to lose uh, in the next two weeks for sure, I, I would say. Fair to say. Now, um, I'm putting an ask. What, you think they're going to lose to Kentucky? No, I don't. But, you Georgia know, we didn't, we didn't think that Missouri's going to be uh, uh, you know, an easy or a, a tough game either. Georgia Tech's on their third quarterback now. They're, they're, their first two, are, I think, are out for the season. Uh, I took a look this week, uh, kind of who could beat Georgia. And I, I you know, wrote about Kentucky and, and Georgia Tech because they're next on the schedule and also LSU. And then, you know, five or six playoff contenders. And I solicited the help of guys that cover uh, the teams that, that could be uh, the will or could be playing Georgia between now and uh, January. And also reached out to uh, Bill Connolly at ESPN, who does SP Plus, and it just has a great read on, uh, you know, the entire college football scene. And he filled me in um, his perspective on, on you know, how a TCU, how a Michigan, how an Ohio State or Southern Cal might be able to beat Georgia. Uh, so check that out. It's a subscriber-only story. So uh, we have, uh, what is it, like a dollar for six months? I think it's, it might be worth your your time and your dollar to uh, to check to check that out. And, uh, you know, while you're there, you can read. Ron's doing some great reporting as well. I wrote a story today about a uh, uh, sister of uh, a Jefferson player that um, tragically was lost. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, I know it was all over the Atlanta news about the Jefferson football player that was tragically killed a few weeks ago. His younger sister's playing uh, playing basketball and wanted to honor him, and that was kind of the, the story we did today. But, uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff on our on our website that we'd love for you to subscribe and check out. I need to make mention of Jalen Carter. Um, last couple of games, I mean, he's been exactly what you expected he could be and why he's going to be – you know, perhaps a top five overall NFL draft pick, seven tackles, one and a half tackles for loss and a sack against Mississippi State. And Kentucky's got like 40 sacks given up this year. So he might add one or two this week. Um, you know, just a, a guy that really can abuse a guy. If if it's a one-on-one matchup, it's going to be trouble for that guy on the other side. Well, I'll tell you what we've seen now the past two years uh, with Jalen and obviously uh, several years before that with, with Jordan Davis is that, you know, even if they're not getting to the quarterback, what they do to take up space to to stop the run or allow other people to get to the quarterback is where they're most valued. But we've seen, I think, from Jalen, the fact that he can just push off a guy or two and 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 make a run at the quarterback, even if he doesn't get there completely, is just phenomenal to watch that guy. And, you know, I don't know if he's 100% healthy, but even a 90% Jalen Carter has been dominant. Just took a swig of water. Sorry about that. Stetson Bennett, three touchdowns, two interceptions this last game. Uh, a rushing touchdown, another one. I think he's tied for the team lead now with seven. Um, look, I got a Heisman vote to make in the next couple of weeks, or I guess it's the day after the SEC championship game is when I'll vote. And, you know, obviously he's going to be on the radar for myself and 950 other people that might have votes nationally. Um, you know, he he doesn't have many touchdown passes, but he's got a lot of passes that 
guys, you know, brought to like the two, three, one yard line that could have been touchdowns. Um, and then, you know, if Georgia's an unbeaten team and Stetson Bennett is, uh, you know, running this offense, I mean, he's going to be a, a factor. Uh, you know, somebody in Georgia is going to be a factor. I mean, I don't think Jalen Carter's played enough games to get in that mix like Jordan Davis did last year. But uh, Bowers? Yeah, yeah, Brock's possible too. Um, so we'll see. It's well, a- how about, you know, the the highlight real uh, runs that, that Stetson's made? And, and I'm not necessarily saying anything – too fantastic, but you think about the run the other day for a touchdown where he juked the guy out of his shoes. I mean, that was that was impressive. He's done that a couple times this year. Yeah. I, I think back to the South Carolina game where he, you know, kind of did the swift dead leg almost and and cut back inside and scored a touchdown. That's some that's some stuff I feel like should be considered as well when when you're thinking about Heisman candidacy. And that's something I also want to ask uh, Matt Stinkscomb here in a little bit about. See what his opinion is. Look. People talk about how he's like, oh, he's deceptively faster. I mean, I mean, there's nothing. Why is that even even need to be talked about? I mean, the guy, the guy can run. He's a he's a factor with his feet, just like a lot of other mobile quarterbacks are. I mean, you know, right. The the long touchdown run. Uh, shoot, all the games were running together, but when he, uh, yeah, when he, you know, I guess it was a design kind of a draw, and he took it seventy yards or so to the house. All right, last thing before we bring on uh, Matt is uh, Todd Munkin is a Broyles Award nominee, which. I think there's like 60 guys maybe, but he'll be a, he'll be a semi-finalist. He'll be a finalist. I would think. I mean, uh, I think it was Dan Lanning again last year. That was uh, a finalist and a couple times was a finalist Dan Lanning. Um, but yeah, this will be Todd Munkin's chance to, to do that. I mean, he's been, this offense is uh, continuing to be impressive and creative and putting up a lot of points. Uh, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they're among the top, uh, 10 in a lot of categories. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out in the next few weeks. All right, let's bring on uh, Matt Stinchko. All right, joining us now is former Georgia All-American and SEC Network analyst Matt Stinchko. Matt, appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I believe you are the third college football hall of famer to grace our little podcast after Mark Rick and Vince Dooley. So no pressure on you here. Uh, th- those guys are pretty good guests. Well, I'm glad to hear. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to hold up my end of the bargain. That's a, that's a tall task for sure. All right. Well, I want to ask you, um, you know, how hard do you think it is to go to Kentucky after they just lost to Vanderbilt in terms of, you know, Kirby having the attention of this team. I mean, he, he seems to have those guys revved up and ready to go no matter who they're playing. But, you know, a team, uh, Kentucky, that has a lot of uh, respect in the Georgia locker room, I imagine, you know, probably was surprised to see that outcome. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make his job easier, I think, to get their attention. I don't know that, as you just pointed out, I don't know that that's a problem as it is anyway. Um, Georgia, this season, and they've demonstrated it, is they're not going to take the field versus a team where they're conceding any ground when it comes to talent. Um, it's a really good football team. They're not going to have that issue. So um, you can't really prop anybody up and say, this guy right here, you know, we've really got to fill in the blank. There might be some, some matchups here and there, but not many. And at, at the unit level, you're going to be hard-pressed to say, Boy, we're really going to struggle with this group. We don't see one this good very often. 
they usually see the best teams that they see usually are the ones that um, they face in practice. Um, and so I don't know that that uh, losing to Vanderbilt, it definitely doesn't help any narrative. I just don't know that the narrative is necessary with this bunch. Matt, uh, do you think that Stetson Bennett should be among the five Heisen uh, contenders that people talk about right now? Well, my disclaimer with the Heisman is always up front. I could not care less about an award, and specifically that one. Um, it lost me years and years ago when it became, you know, a statistically driven trophy. Um, and, and we've seen instances of that in the past where winners are, you know, in a system that allows for just massive uh, statistical accumulation some that play in conferences that afford that. And it's largely an offensive trophy, right? We've seen one defensive winner ever, which is that on the face of it is absurd um, that the best football player, which this thing never really has represented, but we'll say that the best football player is almost always. And in fact, nearly always on offense, that seems impossible to me. So, um, just not a huge fan of the award uh, and how it's allocated in general. It's a great award, the idea, um, but I don't know that it does a great job of actually identifying who the best player is in that given year. That said, absolutely, absolutely he should. And the fact that it's he seemingly isn't, I just speaks to how it's such a missed opportunity um, with that award using, uh, you know, Coach Heisman's name. Um, and how it, it could represent what it states and says it intends to represent, but oftentimes doesn't. And so um, if it did, I think Stetson Bennett absolutely would be a part of that passing touchdowns. And because he doesn't, he's just not getting the run, which just speaks to the fact that people haven't been paying very close attention to the actual play. I'm sure you'd lobby for more offensive linemen, right, to be considered uh, for some- – No, not not really, uh, mainly because it's so hard to assess offensive line play um, and even individual offensive line play because you could have a great year, but maybe you just didn't face any good defensive ends, right? You know, or, you know, you're a great center, but there's so many combination blocks that who knows, is it you or is it you and the guard? And, and unless you're facing, like, odd fronts all the time, you know, who knows how good you really are inside because it's a it's such a collaborative position. Now, some guys are just dominant, but it's it's not really possible for an offensive lineman to maybe take over a game or change the outcome of a game. I mean, you think about the Orlando Paces of this world. That guy was dominant and he was the best football player on the field whenever he walked out there, especially in college. That said. You know, it's it's just such a hard, poorly evaluated position. Even now, it's it's kind of comical to see um, certain outlets uh, try to evaluate who the best uh, is exactly, or even the best unit. Now, the Joe Moore Award does a, as good a job as ever has been done, or I think could be done, in identifying that. So, all that to say, you know, if Bill Fralick can't get it, and they invented pancakes, the pancake reference because of him then I don't know who can. Matt, you mentioned the Joe Moore Award. George is one of nine semifinalists for that uh, honor. W- what are you noticing about this offensive line under Stacey Searles? What's kind of the identity of what they're what they're doing? 
Uh, I don't, uh, you know, identity is a tricky word. I, mean, I, I do think that this bunch, the turning point was Missouri. Uh, I think that was, I think they were, I would have been not just disappointed, probably embarrassed with that play. And, and Missouri's pretty good. And they, they were very aggressive uh, in that football game. Uh, and they learned some things about their own defense in that game uh, that they prior to, uh, to that contest didn't really recognize. So, you know, the offensive front did not perform well. Uh, as I understand it, they were challenged after that game, you know, who you want to be and, and how good do you want to be because we need you to be better. They answered that call. That, and I think that is really impressive. And, and in, even in that game versus Missouri, you could see here's a good rep. This is a good rep. This is a good snap. And then two plays later, it's a bad rep. And you're going, that doesn't make sense. You've, you've demonstrated that you can. And so do it again ditch the bad reps and and you know it's a it's it's not like you're blocking air the other guy can have a good rep too and and yours uh you just lose on that snap but that offensive front as a unit would have good snaps bad snaps good snaps bad snaps well they've they've eliminated a lot of the bad snaps and and some of it was just a lapse in focus of it because they clearly could do it they just weren't doing it as consistently as they should um, I think that they've changed that. I mean, it's it's they're not perfect by any stretch, but man, are they vastly improved from that football game um, uh, versus Missouri, and, and that makes it that makes it fun to watch. I can't remember what game you were calling uh, earlier this year when you were standing in front of Georgia coming out, and Kirby kind of pushed it to the side. What did y'all talk about that uh, after the fact or anything, or anybody say anything to you about Kirby kind of nudging you out of the way there? Uh. Yeah, a lot of people did. And what's so funny is, is that the only, I didn't leave because he was nudging me. I left because the microphone cord was attached to the camera. And the way we had to shoot that was because of the run out. Um, you know, there's a couple of things on that one. So everybody knew what we were going to do in the open of that game, except for coach, apparently. So we talked to all the folks and Gant and all the guys and the timing of it, the whole deal. So I wasn't going to be standing there when it was time for them to run out. We had it timed, but the camera guy that's shooting, it's walking backwards. And then he has to peel off to the side because he don't want to get run over. And you can't have a cord in there. We can't have guys tripping over our stupid camera and microphone cords. I'd be sick if some guy got injured. So we had it all staged out. But the problem is when he swung over to the side, he kept backing up and he didn't have the shot anymore. It was the shot from the crossbar on the goalpost and that, but that microphone cord was attached to his camera. And so he kept backing up. And so Kirby, he did, he was, but he was, he wasn't try, who knows, trying to mess me up on live television, but it was, but I ended up, you know, exiting stage right. And it timed out thankfully relatively well because the guy who had the microphone cord attached to the camera, he did exactly what he was supposed to do, but he was further off than was intended. And I had to leave because that cord got was getting yanked. So that was the whole confluence of events. But in some ways, you know, Kirby saved my life because he probably was like, <laughs> you know, hey, man, you sit there too long and you are going to get run over by about 100 football players. So. It seemed to be in good um, fun. I mean, he just uh, he had a oh, he was face. he had a great little yeah he he had a a uh, quite the grin on his face, but he was yeah he was goosing me while I'm trying to finish my little deal, and the cord pulled me to the side. 
Well, speaking of getting run over, I, th- I think you mentioned Gann. I think he got run over a little bit on the sideline the other day. I think he may be uh, injured or a rib. I don't know if you saw a clip of that or not. But No. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, just a, a guy getting tackled on the sideline. Um, so um, I want to ask you about what kind of teammate Kirby was. And, you know, when, when he was hired here at the end of 2015, could you have envisioned this program being where it is under his leadership? You know, obviously not a very accomplished coordinator, but never, never was a head coach before. Yeah. I, I, um, I think as a player and a lot of guys have talked about this champ has as well. Um, it always felt like he was ahead of things on the field that he thought like a coach, you know, I, I hesitate to point that out only because, um, you know, oftentimes, People will, I think, diminish the player that he was unintentionally by saying, you know, the guy was kind of like a coach on the field. Coach on the field is like a backhanded compliment. It shouldn't be, but it is. You know, Kirby was a really good football player. That guy was an all-conference safety. He was he was excellent. He could, you could blitz him. He was great in run support. He had good ball skills. All the things was fast. I mean, the guy returned punts. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't just like one of those guys where, well, let's put him out there and he can kind of quarterback the defense and all that junk. I mean, he could play, but he was also so uh, aware of what was trying to be accomplished defensively and game situations. And it just, and and frankly, was a, a really direct communicator. And, you know, not everybody takes to that very well. We had, we had in Kirby and incidentally Mike Bobo at quarterback guys that were not only respected, but were not hesitant to speak up and were capable of communicating very clearly and very directly. And in a football field, there's just not a whole lot of room for couching your commentary. Coaches are usually pretty blunt, but when it's your peer, sometimes it's hard to speak succinctly, we'll say. And, you have to have respect for guys to hear that and take it the way that you intend it and it have the desired effect. Otherwise, guys get all hacked off and pouty, right? You know, who are you to talk to me like? And Kirby was a demanding guy that could communicate that. And Mike was a demanding guy that could communicate like that. Um, and that's powerful. That's That really is important on a football team. You could see that early on. All right, we got to hear a little bit of Kirby from you. Um, well, first off, when did you realize you you could do impressions well? And uh, I, I, well, that's a little a, bit of Kirby. That's a relative statement. I don't know that. I don't know. Are you? I don't know that you're allowed to say you can do impressions <laughs> well when you're talking about yourself. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't know when you realize anything. I guess it was when you hear people talking and you say it back, and somebody says, "Oh, yeah, it sounds like so and so," but. A lot of folks say that uh, if and when I do it, it sounds like uh, like Coach uh, like Bill Clinton or Coach Goff, <laughs> or um, and I really only do it if it's if he's really hoarse. Because the truth is, I don't I don't think that it sounds that much like him. But um, when he's kind of froggy and uh, which he almost always is this time of year, then it makes it a little bit easier. Then yeah, give me give me uh, Kirby's press conference. Uh, let's say after. Uh, winning a national championship last year. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's been it was a great season you know, for our guys. You know, they worked really hard uh, all season long. They stayed focused. You know, we said early on, we I said at media days, uh, you know, you're you got to be elite. You know, you got <laughs> and pressure's a privilege. 
Um, and, the, and that's true. I mean, it is it is a privilege, uh, unless of course you, you collapse under the pressure, and then it's not so much of a privilege anymore. And um, so sometimes you got to be elite to see pressure as a privilege. And so our guys saw it that way. And you know, I just loved it. You know, the way it ended. Um, that apparently, you know, Keely Ringo for him to play cornerback, he's got great ball skills, but he's got no peripheral vision. Because I was telling him, obviously, to get down, get down. <laughs> and he's such a good kid that he would have gotten down, but he just couldn't see me, um, you know, because he was – I guess he can't see. Maybe he's maybe – you know what, you know, Ron, hey, could you check Keeley's right eye <laughs> to see what his field of vision is? Because I told him to get down. He did. Anyway, it worked out good because um, then we had that margin of victory. And, and, of course, to win a title for the dogs was, was a big deal. <laughs> That's perfect. I do hear a little Bill Clinton in there, but for the most yeah. part, I'm, I'm picturing Kirby, uh, you know, after yelling at everybody for three weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt I'll, I'll ask Kirby uh, next time if he can do a, a Matt Stinchcomb impression. I'm not sure if he's why, why, <laughs> Go ahead and do that. Why would he bother to have something like that? I don't know. I don't know that that would ever come in handy. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, let, let me ask you uh, – Kirby's going to be focused. Uh, I know he was asked after the Mississippi State game about LSU, and he kind of almost bit off the sideline reporter. So, I, uh, but but you won't have that problem because you know you don't have to. You're not game planning for Kentucky. Uh, what do you think of this LSU matchup? Where can the Tigers maybe stress Georgia? Uh, I do think that they learned some things about their own defense as this season unfolded. Um, uh, what they've been doing with this Harold Perkins Jr. kid is is different. Um, that guy is uh, an eraser. And if they can hold up in the back end and, and do what he's done the past couple of games um, um, as a pass rusher, but also as a spy, kind of like an eraser where um, you can rush four and have him there. Now, obviously, you're, you're now allocating five to the rush. Um, and if he could either cover or um, spy and or green dog blitz, blitz if the back protects you know, that's a, a different equation. And Stetson has done a great job this year of escaping the pocket. You think about the Tennessee game, that first score, um, that that blitz was going to get home and a lesser athlete gets tackled. And, you know, his speed's grossly underestimated. But this, you know, to see Harold Perkins Jr. walk down Malik Hornsby repeatedly and erase what was probably a two- or three-yard head start on a couple of different occasions, that guy is – crazy fast um hornsby's probably the fastest player on arkansas's team um that guy's different and i think that unlocks some things for them defensively that could be uh create create some difficulties and and that's also with ojalari as well as a pass rusher so you're talking about two guys that can affect the pocket and the passer on passing downs um they have not been as strong versus the run there's definitely opportunity there in that regard Jaden Daniels at quarterback extending plays. And I think that was another revelation to the coaching staff is that here's an opportunity for us to be uh, to leverage um, a skill set and our personnel that maybe they didn't appreciate early on in the year. Uh, he did not have a great game. The LSU offense did not have a very good game versus Arkansas, only 13 points. Um, Arkansas struggled on defense this year, largely due to injury uh, and depth issues. And they just haven't tackled well. They didn't tackle great in that game. But that was the lowest points allowed by that Arkansas defense all season. That gives you pause. You have to wonder, now, wait a second, um, is this offense bogging down? Had it become too Jaden Daniels-centric, um, especially in the run game? Um, and so uh, they have not been great. They have improved along their offensive front. Um, but the, the dual threat element that they clearly have at quarterback is a, is a problem and can be 
Um, George has handled that well when presented uh, with other occasions. Obviously, Hendon Hooker, chief among them. They'll get another look at that this week with Will Evis, albeit uh, they deploy differently offensively. But um, LSU got playmakers. Um, the question will be, uh, will the place pop up? Will the scramble game have the effect that it's had for LSU in a positive sense for their offense uh, as it has in other games um, well, You know, versus a Georgia defense that has proven to be one of the better uh, units in the country? Matt, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know Georgia fans will be watching the 3.30 game, but what better way to prepare for the Bulldogs than to uh, tune in Matt and crew uh, at Vanderbilt and Florida on Saturday at noon on the SEC network and uh, maybe, uh, you know, do an impression during the broadcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Maybe to break out the Spurrier. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right, guys. All right, we thank Matt Stinchcomb uh, for joining us, talking uh, Bulldogs and uh, giving us a little Kirby Smart. Ryan, you do any impressions? Uh, no, I'm pretty pretty bad at impressions. But, uh, you know, I, I I know that he can do more. I mentioned Spurrier there at the end of that. But uh, you said uh, I believe he can do a a uh, Mississippi State uh, coach, Mike Leach, right? Uh, it's been good to have heard that. See, I would like to hear him do a conversation between – you know, Kirby and Mike Leach, maybe they're sitting at the SEC meetings, you know, going back and forth. That'd be, that'd be fun to hear. You should have, you should have pulled that up as a question instead of the, I the guess way. I should have that, yeah. you know, some of those uh, really good uh, impressionists can, can carry a complete conversation. That'd have been, that'd have been fun to hear. Or right, we probably should make, make mention of the uh, passing of Steve Weber, the former Georgia baseball coach. Uh, the news came Sadly, on Saturday uh, during the game, uh, Georgia put out a, a release about that, that uh, he, he passed away in Atlanta, um, 1990, 1990 national championship winning baseball coach. And uh, before my time, I, I didn't know, um, you know, much about him besides, you know, his name and his accomplishments in terms of uh, what he did with the program. But um, I believe so. He would have coached David Perno probably, right? And then Perno would have been a... Uh, yeah, he was on that 1990 team that won the national championship uh, right. coached by Weber, yeah. Yeah, so so Perno would have kind of been in his tree, uh, so to speak, because he ended up becoming the coach at Georgia. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, between, uh, you know, Vince Dooley and Charlie Trippi and now Steve Weber, I mean, it's uh, it's been a lot of, uh, you know, Bulldog uh, kind of. It, you know, I told my wife the other day, I said, uh, after Vince died, it was what two weeks after Charlie Trippy died, and I said a lot of times these things come in threes, and I hope that's not the case. And then uh, Steve Weber passed away, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of made my prophecy or whatever come true, which uh, sadly was the case. Yeah, and happier news: Georgia soccer playing a second round NCAA tournament game today, North Carolina in Chapel Hill. That's like the storied program in women's college soccer history, North Carolina. So if they can uh, pull the upset, then it would be a uh, huge accomplishment under a first-year coach. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Georgia basketball is back home tomorrow night against Bucknell, I think it is. They beat Miami of Ohio on uh, what was Monday. It? Monday night. Um, they were up by like 17, and then Miami of Ohio made a run late. 
or, mm-hmm. or in the second half in Georgia, um, you know, got some uh, big plays from, uh, you know, some of the newcomers, including Terry Roberts. Uh, so uh, next week they're going to be playing in Daytona. And I, I just want to mention the exact name of this event that they're in. You ready for this? Ready. The Green Light Sunshine Slam presented by Discount Tire. Sounds like the uh, Gasparilla whatever bowl, you know, they, they've come up with in, in football. Yeah, so Bulldogs are two and one, and we'll uh, we'll see if they can uh, pick up some more wins. Uh, as you know, there's been a lot of upsets. Uh, Florida State and and um, Louisville in particular have have suffered some really bad losses. Georgia hadn't had that happen yet. Did, did lose to Wake Forest. Um, no, I saw our pal uh, Mark Fox didn't have the best of time out at Cal <laughs> either. Yeah, they're they they are zero and three, and that's that's a difficult situation. And two of those were the very bad teams. I know. Yeah. Speaking of uh, kind of title sponsors things, uh, Georgia never has to go to this game anymore. It seems like obviously they're they're on a different level, but the Citrus Bowl uh, in Orlando, SEC Big Ten matchup. It's now the Cheez It Citrus Bowl. So Ooh. you're a big wasn't fan. One at Verbo for a while, the Verbo Citrus Bowl. Oh, was it? I don't know about that. I, don't I know think so. Cheez It used to be out in San Francisco. If so I'm I not think, mistaken, or I think Cheez It. I think Cheez It is now with two bowls. I don't know what the other one. Oh, I do love some Cheez Its, man. It might be the, the cheese at bowl sale somewhere else. I don't know. All right, let's do these picks. All right, what do you say? I'm down. Uh, I went 10 and 6 last week. Now 76 and 75 overall. I'm over 500. Good for you. I conceded. I've just thrown up the white flag. I'm not even checking anymore. Uh, so you win, and I will uh, buy you a Mickey D's hamburger whenever you're ready. Wait, if I you probably did a good you probably did well last week. We had a lot of the same picks. Go back and check your numbers. Okay, okay I'll, I'll look it up. All right, TCU's at Baylor. It's the Horn Frogs by two and a half. Uh, Baylor hadn't had the season that uh, maybe expected. Uh, look, TCU um, going to the uh, Big Twelve Championship game unbeaten with a chance to get in the playoff and taking the Horn Frogs, giving the two and a half. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that I think they went handily uh, because they're they've got a lot to play for. I don't know that Baylor does. Commodores are getting fourteen, and you know what? I think Vanderbilt's got some momentum. They beat Kentucky, and uh, I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, flying high off of one win in four years in the SEC. I'm going to take Vandy getting the points. I think uh, Florida feels like they've been playing good football, but it's not easy to go to Nashville and play in only in front of thirty thousand. What's the what's the line on that? Commodore is getting fourteen. Yeah, I, I, you know, let, let me go against you, and I'll take Florida. Uh, you know, since they are playing better football and. And they played a lot of tough teams this year. I was looking at earlier. I think four of the top ten teams or three of the top ten teams. So, uh, give me Florida to go in there and cover fourteen. All right, Illinois at Michigan. It's the Wolverines by eighteen. Ryan, go ahead, make your pick. Um, yeah, I, I like Michigan. I think they're playing really well. It's going to come down to next week against uh, the Ohio State University. So, give me Michigan, not looking ahead and covering up. Yeah, I'm going to take the. Uh... The Wolverines as well. I think Illinois' season uh, kind of took a little bit of a turn a couple of weeks back, and uh, you know they've had. A good they year. lost to Wisconsin, I believe. They've had a good year still, but mm, I think Wolverines take that. UMass is at Texas A and M. Uh, Texas A and M is a very bad football team this year. UMass is not a good football team. Aggies by thirty three and a half. I'm gonna say UMass. I'm going to take the points. I don't know if, I, if Texas A&M can score 33 points. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, they really struggle. Are they on their third, fourth quarterback still? I mean, uh, so give me UMass to keep it closer than 33 and a half. 
I think it's going to be like a 31 to 3 game. So that, that'll be fine. NC State is at Louisville. It's the uh, Cardinals by three and a half. Um, I, I'm impressed with what Louisville's done. I think they, I, they took a, a loss at Clemson, I guess, right? But I'll take Louisville, uh, giving the points. Yeah, NC State's still ranked, aren't they? They might even be in the top 20, and nothing they've done this year has been overly impressive. Maybe they knocked off Florida State. Is that right? can't remember. I think I watched some of that game. But I, I think Louisville at home is sitting pretty in to cover this. Ohio State's going to a very hard place to play games. That's called Maryland. <laughs> Terps are getting 27 and a half. I will take the Buckeyes to roll. I feel like um, Mike Loxley's teams do this a lot at Maryland, which is kind of start the season, you know, pretty good and then kind of fading. And this this team's fading. I'm taking the Buckeyes uh, to win by 27 and a half. Got to have more faith in your alma mater, man. Give me, give me Maryland. All right, Miami's at Clemson. It's the Tigers by 19. Ryan, go ahead and make your pick. Who's at Clemson? Miami. Not Miami of Ohio. Right. Uh, you know, I thought they would get handled pretty good by Tech last week, and they went in there and won that pretty easily. So give me Clemson. Western Kentucky is at Auburn. It's the Tigers by six. A lot of love for Cadillac Williams. He's not going to be the head coach, I don't think, beyond the interim time here. But he's beloved and probably like a feel-good story, given the fact that um, you know it didn't end well with uh, you know the, the last coach there. So um, I will take Auburn lay in the six. Yeah, did you see that weird graphic that the Auburn put out with uh, the two stadiums upside down, like some kind of Stranger Things? I don't know. I like Cadillac though. Uh, give me, give me Auburn to, to cover that. Iowa is at Minnesota. It's the Hawkeyes getting two and a half. Um, I got Minnesota back at the bottom of my top 25 AP rankings. I had them there early in the season. Really hard when you do these ballots, especially like you're in a hotel in Mississippi and you're trying to hit the road, but like you don't want to, you know, half ass it pretty much on the bottom of the poll because if you do, you will hear from a fan base uh, mm. that will say, what are you doing? So mm. it's not worth the aggravation. Anyway, I'm taking Minnesota. Uh, giving two and a half. Speaking of cold conditions, I bet that's going to be that's going to be frigid up there in in Minnesota. So give me, yeah, the the flying eagles there to uh, <laughs> the Golden Gophers to to cover that. Georgia Tech's at North Carolina. It's the heels by twenty one. Look, North Carolina somehow is still like in the bottom of the possible playoff teams because they could win the ACC. Uh-huh as a one loss team, but even so I don't really see them. I didn't, I didn't really write about them in that story that I talked about because it's such a low percentage chance, but uh, it's a very high percentage chance that the heels are going to win by the 21 points against Georgia tech. Yeah. North Carolina getting no love. I mean, it seems like, you know, when you go to Georgia state and barely win, uh, who else they barely beat early in the Oh, app state, you know, but they are playing much better of late. And I think they will cover against Georgia tech. All right, Tennessee's at South Carolina. It's the Vols by 21 and a half. Uh, give me the orange. I think when they're not playing Georgia, they're going to just keep it. They put on freaking 66 points against Missouri, and I don't really trust South Carolina to be consistent you know, week after week. Yeah, and it seems like they're in a position where they're uh, wanting to put up a lot of points to prove that they're still relevant You know, after Georgia held them so low so i think they are just out for blood and will pile up as many points as they possibly can 
All right, two teams coming off a loss. Ole Miss is at Arkansas. The Rebels by two and a half. Give me the uh, Lane Kiffins. Uh, Arkansas, you know, struggled on offense last week, and I don't know if they they, they probably have KG, uh, KJ Jefferson back, but I'll still take Ole Miss. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think Ole Miss proved a lot with how they played against Alabama last week, and uh, Arkansas still hadn't – they've had a funny season. So, yeah, give me Ole Miss to, to put up some points in, in Arkansas and cover that line. All right, Southern Cal at UCLA, big game for the Battle of L.A., the Bruins by two. Ryan, what do you got? I mean, playoff implications, right? I mean, if UCLA knocks off USC, then Pac-12 probably out of any type of hope to to be in the playoffs. Um, where's the game being played? Crosstown uh, UC- for USC? UCLA. At UCLA. I like their quarterback with a DRG, something like that. Uh, give me UCLA to come off a bad loss and uh, and top USC. Nope, I'll take Southern Cal. They got the playoff uh, implications, and I think they'll they'll handle it. Utah's at Oregon. The Ducks by three. Uh, the Dan Landings suffered a loss last week uh, and are now out of the playoff as a two-loss team. I think the Ducks bounce back. I will take Oregon. Um, hmm, at Utah, or they're hosting Utah, right? It's at Oregon. Yeah, give me Utah. Uh, you know, I think they're they're putting together a better season after falling with uh, at Florida. So, All right, finally, it's Georgia-Kentucky. It's the Wildcats getting 22. Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, you know, I think Georgia uh, still playing with so much on the line. That any loss w- would, would hurt their chances of a national championship. So I don't think they're looking far, too far ahead at the SEC, you know, championship. So – I think they go into Kentucky, they take care of business, you know, with it being so cold, uh, you know, maybe maybe we see what this running game can do and uh and, and not rely so much on Stetson passing the ball. So I I think I think Georgia still cruises to a pretty good pretty good victory over a team that's really struggling right now. So I think they cover the twenty two and uh look like the dominant team we've seen all season. Yeah, this is a tough deal for Kentucky. I mean, they're trying to get their house in order, you know, embarrassed by losing at home to Vanderbilt. And and here comes number one, Georgia. I'm taking Georgia, you know, given the 22. I think I think Chris Rodriguez is a physical blocker. I mean, a running back that, that really, you know, can bruise you up. I mean, Georgia left Kentucky a couple of years ago, you know, only winning 14 to three. Now, that was a different team, but they had, you know, several injuries that day. And this feels like a game where you could have – couple guys dinged up uh you know but georgia's uh this is the georgia's hitting on cylinders and kentucky is kind of the wheels are falling off and uh you know their offense is is really struggling in the red zone they're having field goals blocked it's just it's a it's not a a well-oiled machine now so and they got their butts handed to them by tennessee you know right a few weeks back so give me georgia and uh we'll see if uh you know bulldogs will be 11 and 0 heading into tech week Ryan, enjoy the weekend, and everyone uh, give us a review on Apple Podcast, and enjoy, uh, you know, I guess what, Big Friday's coming up next week. You got Thanksgiving, uh, Big Friday, Black Friday, so uh, should be a good one. Uh, not the greatest slate of football games this weekend, but it's still college football, so that would be great anyway, right? Absolutely. Safe travels uh, to Kentucky. All right. Appreciate it. Talk to you guys next time.